At some point, some point, it's got to stop. But that won't be the case here today in St. Louis. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins that I hope you'll check out. Today, of course, is the occasion of the 136th opener of the Pittsburgh Baseball Club. 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time, first pitch from Adam Wainwright. It'll be strike one. Place will go nuts. Cardinals are going to win. Cardinals are going to take three out of four. I could do this all day. Season's not going to go well. It's not. And I'm not telling you anything that the people running the Pirates themselves don't already know. Because they had, past tense, an opportunity to at least make the team, make the Major League roster respectable. And I don't believe that that would have been an unreasonable ask on the part of those who follow the team and, you know, those who also participate. There are a lot of benefits to being good or competitive or just bleeping average, you know, because it's been a while for that. It's been six years since average, I'm referring to the 2016 team going 82 and 80. And when the team is left without an opening day right fielder, and good luck naming who that'll be on Derek Shelton's card this morning. If the team's starting rotation is riddled with really nothing but question marks from top to bottom, if the team's got virtually no middle relief, I mean, I'll take David Bednar and Chris Stratton in the back, but, you know, wouldn't hurt to have someone else there for all those other innings that they've got to cover because they don't have a reliable rotation. You can go right down the list. Next to nothing was done. Yoshi Tetsugo was brought back. Roberto Perez was brought in. A one-year, $5 million deal, but that felt like at the time and probably legitimately was a reactive move because of trading Jacob Stallings to the Marlins for no reason. What else am I missing? Uh, Jose Quintana as a reclamation project. Daniel Vogelback after basically being discarded. Next to nothing. That's what was done. Don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. They say... Their aim is to get better. They say that their aim is to keep making progress. But this doesn't happen in Pittsburgh. And there's nothing in place for it to happen other than waiting. Waiting. Waiting on the Greensboro pitchers who are now in Altoona. And while the wait goes on, not a pinky finger gets lifted for the main product. And if there was some 
tangible justification for that, I'd actually be okay with it. But there isn't. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. That's the thing. I, I've, I've kind of joked about this in the past. But if Bob Nutting, the ownership and the management, got together and hatched this wacky plan where they had like this giant piggy bank out by the Roberto Clemente gate. Because, you know, you'd want it to be attached to something honorable and trustworthy. And this piggy bank were just filled up with the tens of millions of dollars that are being saved each year, theoretically. And people could see it. They could even study it. Like you could put a webcam there where individuals who are really, really lonely and bored could study each and every dollar bill that's floating around in that thing and saying, oh yeah, look, they did put that money there. This is how much has been collected so far. This is how much can go toward the payroll in 2024 and 2025 when O'Neill Cruz uh, is at this status and Rowanzi Contreras is at that status and Quinn Priester is right there with them and Brian Reynolds and Brian Hayes are the long-established anchors of this thing. And you're looking for a lot of money because you need a lot of money. And there it is, the little piggy bank. No, not by this point, it's a really big piggy bank. Right out there by Roberto. And everyone would see it and you'd be okay with the whole thing. You'd be okay with this chintzy payroll that they're going to take into this game today that I'm estimating at $49.2 million based on a bunch of factors. Others are going to have it uh, higher or lower. But whatever the specifics are, it's a joke. It's pathetic. It's laughably low. And it, like everything else associated with this increasingly woe-begotten franchise, comes with no assurances, no sense of confidence or faith, and no reason to have any. Yeah, I mean, if you want to really dig deep for optimism, yeah, you can go back to 2013 through 15. Payroll did go up to $109 million. It stayed in the 100 range for three years, three consecutive playoffs. But this is a new time, and it's been a long time since there was even mediocrity, much less a really serious approach to competing in Pittsburgh. And the part that drives me the most nuts about all this is that the biggest losers in this equation aren't the fans. It's the Pirates themselves. Not just in the baseball sense, although they sure would have all kinds of pluses on the baseball side 
from being just competent. There'd be a sense of progress that would resonate from the top to the bottom, something I've talked a lot about with people at the bottom. Minor league instructors, minor league coaches, they want there to be pride. They try to infuse their being pride in the Pirates. That's kind of hard to do when your franchise is a running punchline in its own city. But beyond that, why not just make more money? There's a conventional wisdom that's a misperception that the Pirates collect more money by just sitting back and waiting for the revenue-sharing checks to show up in the mail than they would if they were good. It's untrue. I'm not guessing at this, okay? I'm not guessing. I know this for a fact. It's untrue. When that stadium is packed, the amount of money that the Pirates get far exceeds whatever they'd get from the national monies that Major League Baseball spreads around evenly to all 30 teams and the revenue-sharing checks that make it just to the teams that have the lowest revenues, like the Pirates. PNC Park's one of the smallest stadiums in the majors. It doesn't take much to fill it up. It doesn't take much to create what sports executives refer to as ticket tension, meaning you know you have a fear that the place is going to be sold out on a given night, maybe a weekend night, so you buy your tickets in advance, or you buy them in group sales, or you buy them as season tickets. Sports executives love Ticket tension. PNC Park is built for ticket tension. There is no such thing. They won't even sell out their home opener next Tuesday. How and why is that unimportant in the year 2022? No idea. None whatsoever. Unless it's some kind of, I don't know, fear-based, small thinking. I don't know. I do know this. That if, if you're convinced that all of this is just about nutting, being greedy, and wanting more money, then good luck explaining this component of it. Because he should be, the team should be, making way more money than it is right now. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for today's J1Q. It comes from Al. And Al asks a question me and my friends were asking ourselves on a Sunday night Zoom call. How many true major league players do we really have on the Pirates roster? And Al, you're going to put me on a spot here, but let me open up a copy of the Pirates' latest roster. All right, here it is, the active roster, and this is before a couple of expected moves will be made later this morning. Uh, backup catcher, crappy outfielder, something like that. The pitchers that are here, and the criteria that I'm going to use uh, to let you know is this player would be on someone else's big league roster, arguably anyone else's big league roster in some capacity, whether it's as a starter bench player, 
uh, reliever, whatever. And to start, to kind of set an example here, I'll go with JT Brubaker right off the bat. He's today's opening day starter, but it's kind of combination of funny slash sad to say that you don't know, right? Every organization, all 30, would take Brubaker like this in a heartbeat. Live major league arm, great competitor, pedigree, and all that other stuff. But would he be on everyone's active roster? That one's kind of tough. So let's go for the ones that uh, you can say with confidence would fall into that category. David Bednar, absolutely any bullpen in the majors. Mitch Keller, absolutely. Dude's a starter throwing 100. I don't care if he bombs for the opening month. He'd still be on everyone's roster under that circumstance. Chris Stratton is a reliever. Yes, him too. And that's all I've got for pitchers. Now, here's a complicated one. Roberto Perez. Perez, on one hand, doesn't fit the mold for most teams. However, remember that I'm putting you on the bench if you aren't starting. Roberto Perez would be as good a backup catcher as anyone's got in the game. So I'm going to put him on that list too. Plus, he's got some accomplishments to him. Uh, The gold gloves and everything else. Brian Hayes is a hell yes Kevin Newman, and don't laugh this off because remember my criteria, is also a yes, if not a hell yes, because of his glove work, his flexibility, and the fact that in 2019 he did do a significant amount of hitting. There's nothing any management team values more in a bench player than the simple ability to play the shortstop position, and Newman can do it really well. I'm skipping past all the rest of the infielders, going to the outfield, and you know who's going to be the only one in that crew. Although I will add with respect that Ben Gamble would be on probably 25 out of 30 benches, even if those teams just went with four outfielders as opposed to five or whatever. I think Gamble is a guy that a lot of teams could use, though not as a starter the way the Pirates have. So what's the number we came up with there? I actually wasn't counting. You can do that. <laughs> you can play it back for yourself and count. It's not an impressive list. It's it's probably not even terribly accurate. But it is a reflection, I think, of the fact that this management team, for all the good that they've done at the very lower levels, and for all the great things it appears they've done in the draft, You haven't seen the same level of return in trades like the one that sent Richard Rodriguez to Atlanta that brought Bryce Wilson. Maybe Wilson will become something. Maybe he won't. Similar to Josh Bell going to Washington and bringing back Will Crow. Does Crow excite anybody? Could he be something? Sure. Might he completely fall on his face? Yeah, there's that too. These are the kinds of trades that really needed to have a higher hit rate, even at this still early stage of Ben Charrington's tenure in Pittsburgh. Boy, this has been a Sunshine and Roses episode, right? For opening day, look what they're doing to us, all of us who follow this sorry franchise. It's opening day and there's just nothing but 
misery from beginning to end of this episode. We'll see if maybe they can flip that script uh, in the game later today, and, and I'll come back with a just a bubbly, bubbly show for you tomorrow. Thanks so much for the question. Thanks for listening. I'm grateful for everyone who does. 